You're listening to a special podcast of all things ADHD in response to the coronavirus pandemic. Hi, I'm your host, Susan Booning, and I'm here today with Dr. Ari Tuckman. Uh, Dr. Tuckman, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am a psychologist. I'm outside of, um, I'm in the Philly suburbs, and I've been specializing in ADHD for 20 years now or something. I've served with Chad in a number of different ways, including on the national board. I've done a, I've done a couple support groups in the local chapters, and I'm now currently the conference co-chair. So good stuff. So we're certainly in a time of uncertainty right now, and we're dealing right now with the coronavirus outbreak, but let's face it, we've had a lot of uncertain times for a while now, and there may be more to come. So what are some of the issues that your clients are dealing with that are generated by the crisis? Yeah, I think that, so first of all, you're right. Like coronavirus is new and the specifics of the situation we're in are new. But what is definitely not new is times of uncertainty. And sometimes it's times of uncertainty for an individual or a family. Sometimes it's times of uncertainty for all of society as it is now. I think that is important to keep in mind because this is not just about right now in this moment. These are things that will serve you well beyond. And, you know, I think that like my first thought on this is different people cope with uncertainty in different ways. You know, some of that, you know, maybe in general, we can make some kind of sweeping generalizations might not apply to everybody. But sometimes folks who tend to be more anxious will tend to sort of dive in to the material and absorb themselves into it and check every news feed and every tweet and every whatever, because that helps them feel like the uncertainty is a bit more certain, you know, that if I can read that the right blog or the right article or hear the right segment on whatever news channel, then I will feel more secure. And it sort of makes sense. And sometimes it works and sometimes it only increases your uncertainty. So, you know, the diving in is one approach for other people. You know, it may go the other way. They may feel like, you know what, I don't I don't want to know more. Like the more I learn, the more anxious I feel. So I I'm going to kind of tune it out. And you may find that you vacillate between those two. If you're in a, if you have a partner, if you're in a family, to recognize the fact that different people will respond in different ways. No way is better or worse, but you know we need to manage this together, especially when we're sort of you know on house arrest, so to speak, and we're all on top of each other, next to each other all the time. How are you delivering therapy services during this time? Are you using online therapy, telehealth? Do you think it's an effective way to do therapy? You know, it is. And I'm doing it. I'm doing video sessions or sometimes we, you know, default down to phone sessions. It's not a new thing. You know, I have had folks where I've done it in the past, so like a college student who lives like this is their hometown, but then they go out of school, out of the area to go to school or other people who, for some reason, aren't able to get into the office. But it's really become much it's, it's being used much more now, both by therapists which, you know, certainly makes sense. But frankly, even, you know, I hear from clients that some of their like the general practitioners or whoever are also doing phone sessions. So unless it's a situation where your doctor or the nurse or the practitioner or whatever needs to actually put hands on you or to get a reading or whatever, 
they'll just do the session, the appointment by phone because it just reduces the risk to everybody. Like, why go in if you don't have to? And, you know, to the credit of various kind of regulatory bodies from like the licensing boards and the insurance companies and everybody, you know, they're tending to, they're loosening up some of the prior restrictions, particularly in the face of the current situation, so they encourage the use of video sessions. So, you know, if you're a family, if you're at home, if you're struggling more, you know, re- feel free to check in and see if your healthcare providers will do video sessions. I've had a number of new people that I've seen, you know, who I never met in person and, you know, just in the last some days have contacted me about doing it. I think it works well in this time of social distancing. I think it's a very smart move. So for those people who are cooped up together at home now for long periods of time, what tips and strategies can you provide to them to maintain good relationships or deal with the relationships they presently have? It's an interesting kind of social experiment that nobody asked to be a part of that, you know, it really is a double-edged sword because on the one hand, it's kind of great that we get to spend so much more time with each other. And, you know, we don't have to fight traffic and, and all the rest of it. So that's a good thing. But, you know, the, the harder part is there's all this uncertainty and the what are we doing? And, you know, how do we make this online schooling work if you have kids who are now doing that for the first time? You know, or the financial stress if you're one of the millions of families who has someone who is suddenly not earning an income because they can't work from home. You know, my advice is, first of all, to just accept the fact that this is a strange time. Now, accept it doesn't mean love it. It just means acknowledge, like, yeah, this this is what it is. There's a lot here that I can't change. There's a lot here I wish was different. But there are some things that I can do something about. So let's focus in on those. You know, to have some conversation between romantic partners, if you have kids, to then also have a second conversation with the kids. Like, let's talk about what the new deal is. You know, I was just talking to a a friend and colleague yesterday about, you know, he was talking to his kids and he's like, this is not summer break. Like, this is not let's all lay around and just do fun stuff. Like, you still have school right now. There are still things that need to be done. Right. So it's, it's, to set, get everybody a little bit more on the same page, to talk about, you know, where are the places that we can be flexible? So do we have to stick to the same bedtimes and wake-ups or not? You know, in my house, the answer is no, we don't. Exactly. I mean, not com- like we can't sleep till noon. Or we're not waking up at six. There's no school bus we're catching. That's kind of cool. We're all loving that. But then there are some other things that are different and to really kind of set the expectations. And then almost certainly have more conversations because whatever you think is going to happen is probably going to evolve a little bit or it's going to change. Or, you know, especially if you have kids doing online school, I don't think the teachers know yet what they're doing because how could they? And the kids don't know what they're doing because how could they either? So, you know, we're all sort of figuring this out as we go along and we're all trying to figure out how long this is even going to be. Like, we don't know the answer to that yet. Those are some really good tips, but are there any specific behaviors uh, needed to deal with relationships during this time that you can give? One of the things I would recommend is to have some conversation with your partner about time together and time alone. 
because they're both important. You know, I mean, there's that old hardness makes it or distance makes a heart grow fonder. Right. And it does. But that's hard to come by when you're all piled on top of each other. So to have some specific conversations about what kind of alone time do each of us need for those of us who tend to get restless. You know, let's talk about what our exercise options are. Like, how do we get out some of that restlessness? And if you're crammed into a tiny apartment in New York City, that's going to be one sort of a situation. If you're, you know, living somewhere where you have a yard or you have some ability to get to a park or some outdoor thing, that's another option. If you've got some decent exercise equipment in the basement, for example, that's another option. But to really kind of talk it through, because, because I do think that, I mean, I'm always a proponent of exercise, regardless of the circumstances, but maybe especially now, and especially if you're one of those restless, cooped up people you know, like you'll really benefit. So to have some specific conversations about how do we facilitate that? How do we make it happen? Because you're going to be in a better mood if you exercise and I'm going to like being around you more if you exercise and vice versa. Can you give me some examples of that kind of conversation? You know, it's a, it's, it's a bit of brass tacks. Like, let's really talk about this. Like, what does the schedule look like? And I know that often, you know, our folks at ADHD don't like planning a lot. Um, partially because it's kind of boring, partially because it feels like a prison, you know, like, oh, what if I don't want to do that thing at that time? Or it feels like a setup for trouble of like, great, we're going to set a schedule. Here we go again, me not hitting the schedule. To talk about the schedule, to really think about what are the, what are the things that really do matter and where are the things where we can be flexible? And I think that, and this is totally stereotypical, but often the non-ADHD partner tends to be, let's just say, more about schedules. It's easy in these anxious times to respond by really trying to lock everything down. You know, from 8 to 8.15, we'll do this. From 8.16 to 8.31, we'll do this. And, you know, and it's not, it's not wrong, but, you know, the two of you or the three or the six or the whatever need to figure out how do we make this work for everybody? So to really kind of have some good conversations about it, to really work on being in a good mood and keeping yourself in a good mood. And sometimes that means letting the other person's bad mood roll by without getting tangled up in it and responding in kind. So I'd like to jump back to adults in a minute. But first, I know that you also work with teenagers. Mm hmm. Hearing and reading a lot of questions and concerns about teenagers during this time. And, uh, you know, so much of teen life is social and so on. And is there anything you can tell us specifically about teenagers? I mean, this is definitely affecting all of us, but I think especially for our teenagers who get a lot of their social time at school or through their, you know, activities of like the play or soccer or whatever. Um, now, all of a sudden, that's all ripped away. And, you know, frankly, with rather uncertain futures for the remainder of the school year. So, you know, so some of this, I think, is to just, I don't know, like it's sort of mourning the loss, kind of acknowledging the fact that, you know, there are a lot of activities and rituals that will not take place. You know, so the school play that they work so hard on it will never happen or the prom or graduation or, you know, finishing up senior year together. So, um, 
you know, sort of have some some conversation to really acknowledge that, yeah, that does suck and it's totally unfair and it's terrible and it's all of those things. And then also at a certain point, we need to kind of move on and not be miserable. Talk to your teenagers about like how how do you stay connected to your friends? I know it's not the same, but how do how do you stay connected to your friends? You know, I mean, they're good at tech, so like they can set up like FaceTime chats and stuff like that. And I don't know. I mean, for myself, it's been a long time since I was a teenager, but you know, I've been texting with some friends from high school. I've been texting with some friends from college. We're actually going to do like a Zoom meet up with a bunch of my college friends on Sunday night. Like we never, ever do that. Like we just don't because everyone's crazy busy and whatever. And now we have the time. So like, let's take advantage of the opportunity. So like, same thing with your teenagers, you know, what are some things that now we can do? And I know, you know, the stereotype is teenagers are surly and they don't want to hang out with their parents. And that's sometimes true. It's not always true. You know, like that, that's a little bit of an overstatement. So, you know, what are some things that we all can do as a family here that actually are fun? So you've written some books for adults with ADHD. Can you talk about a few of the messages that you think are most important for adults with ADHD at this point? I think the thing is, especially in this strange time, to recognize the fact that partners, well, romantic partners are always going to be different from each other. Like, obviously, there's some similarities, there's enough similarities, but there's always going to be different. Whether one person has ADHD and one person doesn't, whether both have, whether neither has, you know, whether it's a heterosexual couple, a same-sex couple, a whatever couple, like, there's always going to be differences. All this time together can really magnify those differences. But I think it's also a time to try to appreciate some of those differences and to really make a point of having conversation about how do we get some time together here as well. One of the things that, so in my newest book, ADHD After Dark, where I look at couples with one ADHD partner and one without, you know, one of the biggest barriers or kind of the cluster of the biggest barriers to a better sex life had to do with not having enough time or energy for sex. And this is kind of like, it's a little bit of a hidden blessing, maybe, you know, if we can not be completely frustrated with each other all day, then maybe it means we get into bed a little bit earlier, which might also, by the way, mean that we got to get the kids into bed a little bit earlier if you got them. Take advantage of this time. And that means working well together during the day so that when it comes tonight, you're actually going to want to spend that extra time together. And, you know, maybe something sexual happens or maybe it doesn't, like whatever. Like, you know, the important thing is that you make a point of spending some good time together and to feel more connected again, because soon enough, this is all going to be done and we're all going to be back to running a million miles an hour in a hundred different directions. You know, like there will indeed come a time where we look back and, and miss this time together, even if we don't miss the angst thing that was associated with it. And of course, there are some couples in the present circumstances, who are not sheltering in place together for reasons of jobs. Do you have any suggestions for them for getting through this time? Yeah. So, you know, these are folks who already had a stress, and now this is adding yet another stress. So, you know, stress, it's sort of, it's it's an interesting thing when it comes to stress in relationships, because sometimes it pushes us closer together. And sometimes it exacerbates existing kind of, you know, splits and divisions and weaknesses between us. It kind of pushes us further apart. So, 
you know, if you're not physically together, to then, you know, really make a point of figuring out how to otherwise be together, whether it means just checking in, you know, with a couple of quick texts during the day or phone calls or video chats or whatever. But, you know, to talk about how to make that a priority and talk about what each of you needs and, you know, when are the good times. So just as one example, I was talking to a, you know, a college kid yesterday whose girlfriend is now working from home. And because some of her coworkers, unfortunately, were laid off, she's even busier than before. So it was hard before for them to be in contact during the day. And now it's even worse, except now she's, you know, on the other side of the country. You know, so to have some direct conversations about expectations, to try to prioritize that time, but also to know when not to take it personally, if your partner isn't available during certain times. Do you have any suggestions for adults with ADHD? Uh, finding themselves working from home, maybe for the first time. Do you have any advice for them? Yeah, and that this is a new reality. And it's, you know, so there's your standard working from home challenges. And then we have the, I've never done this before. And now we're jerry-rigging my old job into this new situation. So that's a wrinkle. And usually when we talk about working from home, we don't talk about having all of your family all around you also, right? So that's like a whole nother wrinkle as well. And, you know, the, the challenge of it is just it's, it's the distractibility as well as, you know, just of having people there. But it's also, depending on what your physical layout is, like it may be really hard to to get some space apart where you actually have like a designated workplace where you're not on top of each other or you're not overhearing each other. You know, so you can create some, I don't know, auditory distance, is that a word? You know, by maybe put on music if that's a thing that helps, or alternatively just putting on kind of like either white noise so there's like the staticky you know, stuff that like, for example, at a therapist's office, they might have those outside the doors or, you know, other stuff like crashing waves or cricket sounds or whatever, you know, either through your speakers or through, a, you know, earphones. So it blocks out hearing the other rustling around in the background. But to really sort of think about how do I set up a good work environment and then have some conversations with your family about it. And, you know, here's what I need you know, this is what works best rather than getting frustrated and then kind of snapping like that's never the best way. And there's other stuff like, I mean, this is kind of a, a weird thing, but like, what are we doing with the pets? I'm sitting in my, in, in, you know, the office slash best, you know, guest room here in our house. My wife is in our bedroom, but like, you know, we have a dog and two cats and like, you know, half the time they're scratching at the door to go one way or the other. So I'm in the middle of session and, you know, there's somebody scratching it, you know, you can ignore it a couple of times, but then it's like, ugh, they want to come in. So like, that's kind of a, a new thing, like never had to deal with that at the office. You know, so these are the conversations to have and then to keep having as it all evolves and you figure out what's going on. And also I support groups. A lot of people um, have been attending support groups, whether it's specifically to deal with ADHD. I know Alcoholics Anonymous for the first time in its mm -hmm. History is offering its meetings via Zoom or other platforms. And, I, you know, I can imagine for a lot of folks, this is really a challenge. How do you preserve the anonymity of the other people in your meeting when you're in a house with all your family? Right. And 
you know, and yet those those kinds of supports are so vital for so many people. So, you know, like I I was supposed to present for the outside of Philly here, the Bucksmont, so Bucks County, Montgomery County, Chad chapter in April. And like, let's all be clear, that ain't happening, not in person. And even if we wanted to, the hospital that hosts them wouldn't let it anyway. You know, so we had some conversation among some of the local Chad chapters of switching to Zoom meeting. You know, and I think the thing there is to not to not get caught up on how it's different or not as good as, because it's easy to compare. And instead to focus on, okay, well, I will get from this what I can. And there may be some aspects of it that you find are actually better than the in-person meetings. And, you know, then there are parts that you don't like as much. But I think that that in-person contact is really important, you know. So, like, on the conference committee, we've had a lot of conversations about this because there's so much available online, including, like, this thing we're doing right now. But so much of what people get out of the conference is that showing up in person. It's it's seeing people in the hallway and it's talking to the exhibitors and it's talking to that person who sits down next to you as you wait for the next session to start. So, you know, like that personal contact is really important. And, you know, I think whether it's Chad meetings, whether it's AA meetings, whatever, you know, to make a point of showing up for them because it's still kind of better than nothing. So is there anything else that you'd like to talk with our audience about today? I think, you know, the big advice that I would give is these are indeed uncertain times in that we do not know. It is unknowable as of this moment exactly how this will all progress because it is evolving as it goes. And how it all shakes out this depends on how we respond. And our response is evolving. So therefore, the outcome is evolving even more. So be smart, do the things that you can do. And then for the rest, wait and see. And I know that's easy to say, and it's much harder to do. But but to sort of focus on what are the opportunities presented by these strange circumstances, rather than fretting and being angry or anxious over the things that are not. And again, I know that's easy to say. But, you know, there are some benefits that we're getting from it. So don't wait until we all return back to normal life and are crazy and busy and whatever before you go, ah, darn it, that was actually kind of cool. I wish I had taken better advantage of it. You know, really take advantage of it. We didn't touch on the question of whether you should keep taking your meds during this time, you know, assuming it's like a stimulant for ADHD, like things like antidepressants, you don't just stop those. Um, But, you know, maybe the answer is no, but maybe the answer is actually more so, you know, in these weird, unstructured, slightly chaotic times, you might actually find all the more benefit of taking the medication. Whereas the parent who maybe doesn't see their kid at school all day, who obviously certainly doesn't see your kid at school all day, might be really informative, actually, for you to see how your kid does on their meds or, you know, or how they're not doing. So there might be some incidental benefits that come from this. So kind of be a little bit on the lookout about for it, which again is not to minimize some of the significant suffering that is going on now, but but to also to balance that out with, you know, what are the potential benefits of this unasked for situation. Thank you so very much for your time today. Well, it is my pleasure. This made my day a little bit better as well. So I hope it makes the listeners day a little bit better. Thank you. 
In this time of crisis, we know everyone in our community is facing tremendous pressures, and CHAD and its National Resource Center on ADHD are here to help. We are committed to continuing to be the resource on which you can rely. For more information, visit our website at chad.org and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Pinterest. <laughs>